The Gospel of St. John, chapter 2, verses 12 to 22, or 13 to 22. The Passover of the Jews at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and uh, pigeons and money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple, and the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered what was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken forty years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Then, therefore, then, therefore, when he is raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word uh, that Jesus had spoken, the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So I'm going to be honest with you all. I am a huge Star Trek fan. I love Star Trek. I, I grew up watching it with my family. I collected Star Trek cards, game cards. I've seen all the shows except for the uh, Star Trek Enterprise, the, which was set before the original series. And I, I, just, I just haven't really got to it yet for whatever reason. And I'll probably eventually get to it. You know, it's kind of one of those things. But it's okay to laugh. I, everyone has their thing, okay? This is the thing that I, I like to entertain myself with. So, of course, I've seen all the movies more than once, more than twice, probably five times. That's okay. That's what Star Trek people do. I have yet to been to a convention and I probably will never go because I just don't think I could do that, to be honest. So I guess I draw the line somewhere. But one of the most well-known characters of Star Trek in the original series, and actually throughout almost every show um, in some way or some form, is the, the Vol- is the character from Vulcan named Spock. Everyone knows Spock, right? Live long and prosper is very well known. You know, uh, what's interesting about him and, and the whole race of the Vulcan in this world of Star Trek is that they believe in what's p- what they call pure logic. That logic will oversee everything, and it, and it is the most wisest form of wisdom that could ever be, which is logic. And one of my favorite quotes and from Spock is this, when the, you eliminate the impossible, Whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. It's kind of an interesting side of wisdom and logic. Now, on the other hand, in the Vulcan race, uh, in Star Trek world, you have other races that they present, and some are fully ruled by emotions. Logic makes no sense. They, they use emotions to give proof and give identity. And uh, it's kind of an exciting, kind of an exciting world when they play it. I, I like it. I like it. I enjoy it. But what's, what's connecting is that if you wanted to make an argument for Spock, 
and you had a, and it might seem like you're never going to win an argument against them, and then all of a sudden you throw this really crazy, logical idea out there, you know what happens? You win him, and he agrees, and he, he although he struggles though, but he's, he, he, in whatever way a Vulcan can struggle to accept the logic, but he, all of a sudden, he, he, it, it happens so many times throughout Star Trek, in which Captain Kirk would make some crazy, or one of the other characters would make some crazy logical argument, and somehow, although uh, Spock was totally against it, he would agree, and he would follow, and he would accept the logic as being valid in truth. Now, in our epistle reading, I, I, I promise I will get to the Bible, and I'm doing that right now, okay? It's not all about Star Trek tonight, today. But in our epistle reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 and 31, we, uh, which was read earlier, it begins saying, For the word of the cross is fully to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. Now this passage is a great example on how secular society sees us as believers. I mean, let's be honest, be truthful. They really do struggle to understand why we would ex- believe and follow this book. They really struggle with it. It's very hard to believe that some old text written thousands of years ago is so important to us, we're willing to change our life for it. In their logic, in the world that they follow, they, they see it in the world that they follow, and they look into us as a, as a, a group of people. In their logic, we are following myth. And it is foolishness to believe in such things. It's all mythology. It's all fake. It's not believed. Maybe there's some historical truth in it. But in their logic, it does not exist. While on the other hand, for us as believers, we don't see it necessarily as, we do see it as wisdom, but we see it more than that. We actually see it as the power of God. There are so many times in my life that through God's word, yet amazingly, something happened. Something beyond my explanation. Something that when all else takes out of the place, just as Spock said, everything else was eliminated. Everything possible that could explain how that happened, it could only have been God. Especially as a missionary overseas, there are many times we are struggling, not even knowing how in the world we're going to pay a bill that's due. Yet somehow, out of the blue, by no one, we don't even know who gave it, we had money in our bank account to pay the bill. Out of the blue, we have no idea. There's no, we didn't ask for it. We didn't, all we did was pray for it. But yet, the only thing could explain it is God. And that's just one example. There are times where we were sick and we thought we would never get better. We would have to go to Thailand to go and spend in the ER. And all of a sudden, the next day, we wake up just fine like we were never sick. It is amazing that we are, what's amazing is that we're actually told for one reason why God does this. Why does God use his book? And why does the world see it as foolishness? And he actually tells us, he actually says it, why he picks random people that seem like they're old. You know, let's give an example, you know, like a few examples here. God picked an old man, a man that was not young, with a wife that was old in age to be the father of many nations. Why? 
Why would he pick an old man and an old woman to give birth to a world of many nations? It makes no sense. It's foolishness. It's stupid. That's crazy. But yet, God picked Abraham. And yet, Sarah gave birth. And yet, we have a, a tribe of millions of people. And then we have another example, which is crazy. We have an example of a baby boy floating down the river, escaping death. Of all odds, he just happened to be picked up by an Egyptian princess and gets brought into the Egyptian home of the pharaoh and raised as a prince and educated in the religious system, ends up leaving it, going in the middle of nowhere, escaping all odds, being found by God, and then being sent by God to rescue his people. And just to top it off, okay, we have to be realistically, do you honestly think the Egyptian people thought Moses was crazy? Absolutely, come on. He has no authority. He walks in to meet Pharaoh and says, let God's people go. God sent me to tell you that. Foolishness. It's crazy. It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Let's fast forward a little bit, kind of pass some more time. Let's consider a little Jewish shepherd boy herding sheep off to bring food to their brother. Who would have thought that day when he woke up, walking into the camp to bring food, he would then later, the next day, or even the same day, we don't really know exactly the time period, how it happened, he would be standing in front of the greatest soldier the Palestine people ever had and win off of a rock that he throws at the guy's head. Come on! That's crazy! That's foolishness! It makes no sense! Let's jump, let's jump ahead. Let's jump ahead some more. What about a, a Jewish man that's encampment by a slave of another people? Interprets dreams of all things. Helps the king of Babylon, ends up ruling over the people as the great leader. Again, foolishness. What about a German man be scared of dying becomes a simple monk and a priest and start the greatest reformation the church ever had? Foolishness. Absolutely foolishness. To the world, every single of this part of the story is absolutely crazy. It makes no sense. Because to them, to be great, you have to be born of those great things. Only the wise, the powerful, the rich, the privileged, only those that are in the secular world should lead, should teach, and establish, and so on, and whatever it is. But God, in his great wisdom, chose not to use the wisdom of the world. He says it. I chose not to use the wisdom of the world to lead the people. But he chose the foolishness of all things, simple people, what is least expected, things that seem absolutely crazy. He chose to reveal himself to us. In verse 25 to 29, it says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. 
For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring nothing to things that are so, that no human being might boast in their presence of God. I would have never, ever pictured myself as a 12-year-old boy in growing up in Minnesota, ending up in Laos, traveling to 30 states in the Union. I would have never pictured myself as a pastor in a church, ever. According to the church I grew up in high school, I was not very good at memory verses. In fact, there is someone in the church that was, by all purpose, should be a pastor today. He was good at memory scripture. I mean, like, literally, you could say, John 12, 1. He knew exactly what it was. I mean, literally, you know, uh, uh, you know, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. He knew exactly what it was. He could just pull out. He just had scripture memorized. He was awesome at playing the guitar. He could lead worship music. He knew all the trendy songs. He knew everything. Everything about it, you would have said, Tom and this guy. Who would be a pastor? Well, definitely this guy. He's got it. Yet, down the road, I remember calling him, thinking, this guy, he has a heart to serve. He wants to serve God. Calling him because I need help with a Bible study. Saying, could you help teach a Bible study uh, for this church in your area? Because they want me to come and I can. It's an Asian church and so on. And he, you know what he said to me? It's amazing. He said, I don't do that anymore. He doesn't do it anymore. Whatever path we were on, somehow things changed. I'm so thankful for the experience I had. I did not expect what God had in place for me. But it, I remember saying, I am not that type of person. And I'm sure many of you said it before. You've said, well, that's not my thing. I don't do that. I don't, it's not my gift. We all have different gifts, but I can tell you it was not my gift of teaching when I started teaching. It was not my gift of preaching when I started preaching. I had no idea what my gifts were until I started doing it. God chose the weak. He chooses the sick. He chooses things that we consider foolish because it's not about what we look like on the outside, but what we look like in the heart. Think about our, our hero, St. Peter. I, as I mentioned earlier, he was a fisherman. I, I guarantee you the day that Jesus called Peter to follow him, he was not thinking he would be the leader of the church five years later, ten years later. It was not on his plate. It was not what he wanted. But yet, Jesus chose him. To the Jewish leader, that is foolishness. That's crazy. Why would God send him to become a servant? Why would God send Peter? Why would God send John? Why would God send any of those apostles that we so look up to now? Because they are simple. But that's exactly what Christ and God did. In verse 30 it says, And because of him, 
you are in Christ Jesus. You become to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So it is written, let let no one who boasts, boast in the Lord. It sounds absolutely crazy that God chose weak people, foolish people, but he did it for the very reason so that when we boast, we not boast in our own ability. When Mark, our, our great creator of Facebook, when he says, who helped, what, how did you create Facebook? What is his answer, usually, himself? Does he acknowledge the people around him that supported him in the original process, and the whole movie of that him being sued, re- reveals that he didn't. In fact, he disregarded. He boasted purely in himself. Our president right now, very good businessman. He's done a lot in the world. We all know he has a pretty good ego. Yet, when the, when the, the coach of the Eagles is on the stand and he's saying, thank you for winning, what is the first thing he raises? Do you all remember? Did you catch that? He said, I could not have done it without Jesus Christ. How about the quarterback? I couldn't have done it without Jesus Christ. They knew that they grew up, they understood some kind of concept that they were not there because of their own ability. That Christ gave them their gifts. Yeah, it's football, but that's a recognition. They did not boast of themselves. They boasted in Christ. It might sound crazy. It's foolish. But there are people here that God has called them to do more than they could ever imagine themselves to do for the sake of the church. There are probably people in this room that aren't doing anything that could be doing amazing things. Because Satan has told them, you're foolish, you're not wise, you can't do it. But that's exactly who God is looking for. God is looking for the foolish. God is looking for the crazy the crazy saying crazy, okay, you know, and, you know, type of situation, okay? I, gotta, I better clarify that. Well, pastor, what are you saying? God is looking for people who are willing to make mistakes because they lo- he knows you will learn. But that is the amazing thing. God is an amazing thing. His word is power to us. He reveals his self to us through it. But he encourages us. We are going to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. I know I definitely make a lot of mistakes. And I hear about it also. But that's okay. I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm foolish. But that's okay. I'd rather be foolish for Christ than be the greatest philosopher in the world. Because the greatest philosophers that I know, and I studied in, in, in school, in college, in high school, they did not believe in God. They believed in themselves. So let us be foolish for Christ. Let us be crazy for Christ. Let us stand there and say, okay, I'm going to do it. I have no idea what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do it for Christ. Because Christ is going to take that. And who knows? Maybe you'll be the next Martin Luther. Who knows? Maybe you'll become the great leader like Peter. 
Who knows what will happen for Christ? But is it worth the risk? The world will tell us we're foolish. The world will tell us it can't happen. But Christ will tell you it's possible. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much that you've chosen the foolish over the wise. Thank you you've chosen the weak over the strong. Thank you that you chose us, that you called us and showed us your salvation. And I pray that you would encourage us to take the next step, that we would be foolish for you, but your foolishness is wiser than anything on earth. You know more than we could ever comprehend. Encourage us as we walk with you today, as we consider what you have led us and called us to do and to serve you. We pray this in your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us sing, Be Thou My Vision, which is an insert, and stand together. <laughs>